Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll jump right into the scriptures. So let's pray. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I do pray, thanking you for my church family, the Dogwood Church family. Thank you for our worship of you. Thank you that you've gathered us together in your love and providence and grace. And now, Lord, I pray that you would help us to put aside all the things that clamor for our attention other than you and uh, the voice of your spirit and the, the clarity of your word. I pray as we pray almost every week that you would open our eyes, that we may see wonderful things from your word, that you would open our minds, that we may understand the scriptures And I pray that you would unlock that part of our personality that most directly relates to you, our heart, our will, our spirit, that we may respond in faith, in increased faith and love and enjoyment of you and obedience to you and your word. Uh, And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We are in the book of Galatians. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5 in the month of June, as we are soaking in the scriptures this summer, uh, I gave you this passage, uh, Galatians five thirteen through 26, last Sunday and encouraged you in your quiet time with the Lord. Some of you have committed to one time a week. Some of you have committed to three times a week. Some of you have committed to five or six times a week uh, where you meditate on, study, read, uh, reflect on, uh, work into your soul the scriptures. Uh, and we gave you a method, remember, when you are with the Lord Jesus in the scriptures, we follow the acrostic SOAP, S-O-A-P. S stands for scripture. It's the scripture passage of the day that you're meditating on. O stands for observation. And that's when we look at two aspects of, of the passage. We, uh, we see the content, first of all, and ask the question, what does it say? Just simply, what does it say? Second, we ask the question, uh, of interpretation. What does it mean? What's the, what's the eternal principle, theological, biblical, spiritual principle that applies to all people uh, at all times in history? S, scriptures. O, observation. A is application. And we ask the Lord while we're in his presence, Lord, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to be? What do you want me to do Uh, because of my time with you in these scriptures today. How will you want me to be different in attitude, in action, uh, in behavior, in belief, uh, because of my time in the scriptures? S-O-A and then P, prayer. Uh, Write out a sentence prayer for the day to pray uh, for the activity of God in your heart and life Uh, based on your time with him in the scripture. So way to go. Uh, Keep doing that. We've been getting a good word from all of you. And uh, thanks for the testimonies. I'd love to hear how it's going. So email me. Well, today we are in the second of our uh, four sermons out of Galatians chapter five uh, called uh, life in the spirit. And we're learning what it means as believers to live life in the spirit. And so today We're talking about freedom from the power of sin. Let me read it to you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. You follow along in your Bibles. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Translation. 
For you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are, these are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, that's, uh, that's a good bit of Scripture, and uh, there's a, there is much, much, much that we could apply to our lives uh, from this passage this morning. In fact, there's too much. We will not get to all of it, not by any stretch of the imagination. And so we're going to focus on the big point uh, that we all struggle with as believers, and that's uh, the reality of, of temptation. Now, the Apostle Paul reiterates what he says in verse 1, uh, that Christ has liberated us for freedom. He comes back in verse 13 and says, For you were called to be free. He's writing to the Christians in the church at Galatia, the region of Galatia, which once again is uh, geographically the equivalent of, of modern-day Turkey, churches that had been planted by Paul and his missionary team, uh, new believers... He's writing to clarify the gospel to them and to instruct them on how to now live this new life in Christ by God's grace and uh, under the control of God's Holy Spirit. He says, for you were called to be free. Now, when he says you, he's speaking to those Christians. And that means uh, not only them, but the application is to all Christians down through history uh, in all of the ages, including those of us who are followers of Jesus today. Now, I know some of you in the church are not yet followers of Christ, and our church exists largely for people who are not yet followers of Christ. So uh, should you um, come to faith in Christ, the sermon this morning is going to let you look over into the backyard of the Christian faith and see what life can and will be like uh, should you come to faith in Christ? So, but uh, you believers, uh, he's saying that we have been called to be free. Now, we talked about this last week extensively. Uh, this means free from some things and free for some things. Remember, 
It means that when we placed our faith in Jesus alone for our salvation, when we repented of our sin, we left some things behind. We gave up some things to place our heart uh, and life and control of life and eternity into the to the hands of Jesus. If you didn't walk away from any sinful things, I'm not quite sure what you did, but we turned, placed our active trust in Jesus and what he accomplished when he died on the cross in our place and rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave, breaking the power of sin, breaking the power of hell and the grave. Uh, he, um, he set us free, free from the penalty of sin. Because Christ died for us, he's already paid the penalty. He set us free from the power of sin over our lives because we died with Christ. He died as our representative, much like an, an agent would represent a sports figure in negotiations. He has, the, he has the power, he has the authority to speak for, to act on behalf of uh, that athlete that he's representing. Just so, the Lord Jesus, when he went to the cross, he acted as our representative, our agent. And when he died to sin, to the power of, of sin, then we died. And the, it means that we died to the realm and the rule uh, that sin had over our lives. It no longer uh, has reign and rule over us. He broke the power. Freedom from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin, freedom from the curse of the law, which basically meant that we were separated from God. We'd been lost to a relationship uh, with him and freedom to love God, freedom to follow Jesus, free to live under the uh, control and power and direction of God the Holy Spirit on a moment by moment, day by day basis. Uh, you have been called to be free. That's good news. That's reality. He has done that. And he, he says, uh, You brothers, he's speaking of brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, he's saying here, this freedom, this freedom from the penalty and power of sin, this freedom to eternal and abundant life is only for those who follow Christ. Yet Christ is offered to every person on the planet. It's why we must go. It's why we must, some of you, uh, God is calling to be missionaries regionally, nationally, globally, taking the gospel to people uh, who do not know. Uh, Christ wants everyone to be Free, And we come to freedom through faith in Christ. Only followers of Christ are free from these terrible things. Now, he goes on to say something very interesting here. He says, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, that's a strange word. What's he talking about there? Well, evidently, the accusation had been leveled at the Apostle Paul and the gospel of Jesus that he had been teaching by some false teachers who were confusing the faith of the Galatian Christians. A, a, an accusation had been leveled that went something like this. Well, if you tell people that they, their sins have been completely forgiven by God and that now they are completely reconciled to God and accepted by God and now nothing can ever, 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 ever separate them from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, well, then they'll just live any old way they want to. And um, what we've discovered is that it's not true most of the time. Evidently, it is possible to abuse the grace of God. And uh, Paul warns the believers in the Galatian churches here in his writings in the book of Romans 
to the Christians in the church at Rome, he warned them against the same thing. He said, no, we should not, we should not sin that grace may abound. No, 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 no. He says, don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Uh, we Christians tend to go from one extreme to another. There are those of us who come to faith in Christ and we have this freedom in Christ and we, we go all the way to the wall and say, I'm okay with God, I can do anything I want to. And, um, and, and we abuse our liberty in Christ. Uh, we, some would say we give ourselves license to sin. God says no. Uh, others of us react against that and say, no, 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 we need to add rules here and we become very strict in following rules and we swing all the way to the other side to legalism. Uh, somewhere in between, there is the right way to live with Christ and it's life in the spirit that brings healthy freedom, that makes us free to love and obey God out of joy and gratitude, not out of guilt, um, not out of an ability to, to earn favor with God because we've been fully accepted by God, but we love him so much and we are so grateful for him that we are eager to obey him, eager to serve him, even be his slave. This freedom, remember, is we are free to be a slave of Christ. But Paul warns the believers here, don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What's he talking about? You know, the Bible uses this term flesh several different ways. Sometimes in the Bible, it's used to stand for all of humanity. Sometimes in the Bible, it is used to describe you know, human flesh or our, our bodies. But here and in other places in the writings of the Apostle Paul, it's speaking of a, uh, of a characteristic that we have in our personalities, our total personality, mind, will, emotion, body, soul, spirit. And it's speaking of our, our tendencies to disobey God, our, our proneness to wander away from God, uh, our leftover ability to be attracted to sinful, destructive behavior, opportunities for the flesh. Some translations call it a, our old sin nature. Some call it our old self. Some call it the body of sin. Uh, some writers say, call it old flesh patterns. Regardless of what you call it, there is something still in you as a believer that makes you susceptible to temptation. You're not free from temptation yet. We are fully accepted by God, and one day we will be set free even from the presence of sin, but we are, we are living in the now but not yet time. We are living in, the, in, in this time where, in this life where we are being matured. We are being drawn in relational closeness to Jesus and transformed into his image and character and behavior, but we are still susceptible to disobeying God susceptible to uh, temptation. Now, jump down to verse 17. Paul describes this conflict. He says, for the flesh, again, speaking of this, this capacity to, to disobey God, even as a child of God, 
The flesh desires what is against the Spirit, against the things of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. He's basically saying here, apart from the presence and the power of God the Holy Spirit in your heart and life, and you're intentionally yielding yourself moment by moment, day by day, to the Holy Spirit, uh, there is this tension between temptation to sin, desires to disobey God, and desires to obey God, and, and it keeps us from living life the way we would want. There's a tension. There's a battle. And some of you know about this battle. You know, you can't, people don't choose what they are tempted by. Have you ever noticed that? We do choose what we, how we misbehave. But people don't choose their temptations. They come from the world thought and value system. They come from the devil, the Bible says. And they come from our own flesh, our own evil Desires and it's different for different people. Uh, the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the, the flesh. Now, this tends to show up in relational conflict. In verse 15, Paul says, If you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you will be consumed by one another. Back it up to verse 14. He says, but serve one another through love. Not an opportunity for the flesh. Don't live out the flesh. Don't yield to temptation and fulfill the desires of your temptation, of your sin. Don't, don't fulfill it. Don't act on it. But instead, serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you live with Jesus in such a way, that you are ever increasing in your, your capacity to love God and love people, uh, you are getting it right. And if we understand Jesus rightly and pursue intimacy with him, closeness to him, to abide in him, as the John 15 says, uh, then he enables us to love him and to love one another. Rather than living life through the flesh, we love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, all of the commands of the Bible, all of the ethical and moral code of the Bible is obeyed by the law of love. If you love someone, uh, you will not seek their harm. If you love someone, you will not lie to them. If you love someone, you will not steal from them. If you love someone, you will not make them a sexual object for your own use. If you love someone, uh, you will not envy them or be jealous of them. If you love someone, you won't murder them. Do you see, if you go down through the Ten Commandments, if you, if you love people, if you love God, you will not put any other gods before him. If you love God, you will keep the Sabbath. Keep it holy, a Sabbath day to God. If you love, um, if you love God, uh, you will you'll worship him above any other being. If you love your parents, you'll honor them. You see, that's the way this works. Uh, so the law of love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law is fulfilled in this one statement. So if we're living the life of love in the Spirit, we, it'll show by our loving God and people. But if we are living life in the flesh, yielding to temptation as, as a habit, uh, we, it train wrecks our relationships 
We bite and devour one another. Watch out, he says, or you'll be consumed by one another. This, is the, this language is the picture of, of a, a pack of wild animals who've turned in on themselves and are in a, uh, a, a bloodletting frenzy, biting and devouring each other. Sometimes people look like that, don't they? You ever been in any meetings lately where people behave that way? Maybe in your home or in your church or in your school or in your business or in your organization? Well, it's an indication that we are living life in the flesh. But he says the cure for that is to walk by the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. Now, some of you may be asking the question that a man asked in my Sunday school class years ago. Uh, there were about 10 or 12 of us in the class, all men in their uh, 30s and 40s. And he said, how can you tell if you are a Christian? How can you tell if you are walking with God? And so I took him to this passage and I said, well, if you are walking in the Spirit, if you are free in Christ and you are under the control of the Spirit, you'll take on some characteristics. If you are yielding to your sinful desires as a habit, you'll begin to take on other desires. And I said, so in this passage in Galatians chapter 5, he gives us a checklist of, uh, of spiritual and character uh, qualities, attitudes and behaviors uh, that are indicators of our inward spiritual condition, our spiritual condition with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, here's the list. And let me just go through these. You check this off and see which list sounds more like you as a habit, more like you as, a, as an ongoing lifestyle. Beginning in verse 19 through 21, he says, the works of the flesh. Uh, that means the, when we yield to our own sinful desires, uh, it produces some works, and they're not good works. Here, they, here we go. He says, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. It's interesting that he starts with sexual sins. We are a sex-crazed, sex-absorbed, sex-obsessed culture, and we're world-class at sexual sin. We've lost sexual sanity, and it's killing us. It's destroying us. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying families. Uh, it's destroying cult the culture. And he lists these first, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. What does he mean by sexual immorality? Well, some translations say adultery. He starts with adultery. Now, what is adultery? Adultery is a married person having sexual relations with someone other than their spouse. And God says, no, is that you? Is that you? Then you, you may be in, tr you're in trouble. Uh, fornication is another word that follows moral impurity that some of the passages use. And that's basically unmarried people having sexual relationships with each other uh, outside of the bonds of marriage. God says no to that too. Um, promiscuity. I mean, you can lump under that uh, homosexual behavior. But adultery, fornication, uh, homosexual behavior... God says, no, it's sinful. It is destructive. He gave us the gift of sex to be expressed in a healthy fashion for individuals and for the health of the entire culture only to be expressed in a marriage relationship between a husband and wife. 
all other sexual expression is damaging. It produces soul damage, cultural damage, family damage. Uh, And if that's you, repent, turn around, turn around. You are in danger. He goes on to say the works of the flesh, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry. Idolatry is defined as actually putting any person or thing in a place of higher importance than the Lord our God. Well, busted. I mean, we tend to all do that from time to time. God help us. Sorcery. This word sorcery, uh, the Greek word translated sorcery is the same word from which we get our, our English word uh, pharmacology. It speaks of the use of drugs. He says, you know, drug use and abuse. Uh, he says, works of the flesh. And then he deals, he, he, he hits many that uh, are all relational train wreckers in friendships, in classmates, in marriages, in churches, in communities, between countries, and here we go. He says it produces hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. This is not an exclusive list. He basically says, and anything like this, Drunkenness is what you think it is. It's, it's being habitually uh, an abuser of alcohol. Uh, can I just pause to say, we had, just because I cautioned parents uh, about the use of alcohol if they, and if they served as, as uh, group leaders for children or students or adults in our church, uh, we had people leave our church last year. There is... Um, The Bible does not present an airtight case for total abstinence of alcohol, but it presents a very strong one. And even if it is permissible, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, all things are permissible for me, but not all things are profitable. You may have freedom to use alcohol in moderation, but it may not be profitable. You'll not know until your kids are grown. One out of every ten persons who takes a fir- their first drink in America, statistics still tell us, become an alcoholic. Do you, know, do, you, do you know anyone who's an alcoholic? It is not worth the risk. Now, I, you know, that's a whole other sermon for another time, but please be careful. Please be careful. Hear me carefully here. Just because it's permissible does not mean it's profitable. So watch out. Drunkenness and carousing, that, that's mean, that means orgies and all kind of stuff like this. So how are you doing there? How you doing there? He goes on to say, I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice these things, such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So wait a minute, wait a minute. I at one time, you say, golly, pastor, I at one time was sexually immoral as a teenager in college. I was promiscuous. Golly, there have been many times that there have been things more important to me in my life than God. I've been an adulterer, idolater. I've, I've, I've misused drugs. I've been involved in sorcery. I've hated people. I've, I've, I've created strife at times. I've been jealous. I've, I've been guilty of outbursts of anger. I've had selfish ambition. Uh, I have it now. Dis, I, I've created dissension. I've created factions and divisions among people and organizations. I mean, I did that once or twice. Am I, am I not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, 
Let me take you back to one word in that verse, verse 21. Those who practice these things. You see that word practice, circle it. He's basically saying those who habitually live this way, not those who from time to time failed here or in the past prior to faith in Christ uh, were guilty of one or more of these attitudes or behaviors. He says, if your lifestyle, your ongoing general pattern, general direction of life is in, is in works of the flesh, you are probably not a member of the family of God. You are probably not saved. You're probably, uh, you probably are not in the kind of relationship with Christ that redeems you, that forgives your sin and cleanses your soul and reconciles you to God and secures for you a home in heaven when you die in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your heart and life right now. If this is the, can, can you habitually continue behaving uh, and thinking and feeling and valuing uh, this uh, and, and with no regret? without turning back, is that the habit of your life, uh, then you're, you're in danger. You're in danger. And I would say, drop it. Turn around. Fall on your knees. Come to faith in Christ. Uh, confess your sins uh, to Him and your need for a Savior, like I did, like hundreds of the people in this room did, and give your heart and life to Christ. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to do so right now. Pray with me. Pray with me. I'm just going to lead you through a prayer. For some of you, this is the first time you've heard this clearly. And there's something going on in your heart and your emotions and you're not sure what it is. Let me tell you quickly what that is. This is the Holy Spirit of Christ knocking at the door of your heart, seeking to convince you of the truth and of your need for a Savior, convince you of your own sinfulness, your own guilt before God, and of your need for a Savior who will completely forgive you and seeking to draw you to place your trust in Jesus, to become a follower of Jesus. For you see, God loved you so much that he couldn't bear the thought of you having to atone for your own sin forever in a place called hell. And so he determined to do it for you, and he stepped out of heaven, Philippians chapter 2 tells us, and took on the form of a man, the man Jesus lived a perfect life without sin and went innocently to the cross and died in our place paying the penalty for human sin completely, satisfying his very own demands of justice. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was who he claimed to be, that he had the power that he claimed to have, and that he'll do what he promises he will do, which is this. If, if anyone, he says, would come after me, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me, if anyone would confess me with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised me from the dead, they will be saved. And so now's the time for you to do that. Ask him to apply it to you personally. I did that. Hundreds of people in this room have done that already. 51 precious elementary kids did that this past week in our vacation Bible school. Eight wonderful middle and high school uh, students did that week before last at our youth camp. Join them. Join them. Let's pray. Let's pray. I'm just going to guide you in a prayer. And so from your heart, would you say to the Lord Jesus right now, Lord I am a sinful person, a guilty person who needs a Savior. You tell me. 
Now, from your heart, in your own words, say something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe in you, and I believe you are that Savior, the only one. I believe you died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sin and that you rose again and are alive today to forgive me and transform me. And so, Lord, the best way I understand now, in your own words, in your own words, now, turn from your sin. Tell him that you're turning from your sin and that you're trusting in him and ask him to come into your heart and life and forgive you of your sin. Become the Lord and God of your life and take control of your life in eternity. To the best of your understanding, commit control of your life in eternity to Jesus right now. You tell him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.